This episode is sponsored by World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. Dungeon Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we have an extremely special guest. We have been honored and graced with the presence of a fantastic author and all of this in the absence of our fearless leader daniel who unfortunately could not be here tonight uh and that's perfectly fine daniel we love you we miss you brother i am krebs and i am the other krebs matai and our special guest today is fonda lee fonda <laughs> lee author fonda lee uh, award-winning author Fonda Lee, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? I have, I have a few. (laughs) (laughs) She says humbly, but absolutely honestly. Uh, Yeah. So uh, you, you wrote a a series of books. You wrote something, if I'm not mistaken, it's called the Green Bone Saga. Is that correct? Yes. The Green Bone. Tell us a little bit about the Green Bone Saga. It's a trilogy of books, right? Yes. So the Green Bone Saga is a I, I've described it as a uh, epic urban fantasy, Asia-inspired martial arts gangster family saga, and I never get those words out in the same order twice. But it is a, <laughs> an epic fantasy trilogy that concluded um, in uh, twenty twenty one with the release of the third book, Jade Legacy. The first book is Jade City. The second book, uh, Jade War. There is a standalone novella called The Jade Setter of John Loon, and a short story collection called Jade Shards um, that are also part uh, of that series. And uh, it is, um, it's probably the work I'm best well known for. It is a um, a, a family saga that is, uh, that I've described at various times as being the godfather with magic and kung fu, oh, wow. but it takes place <laughs> on a, a, a fictional um, island that is the uh, world's only source of magical jade. And this jade provides um, enhanced abilities to those who wear it. Um, and those warriors are called green bones. But um, it is not a sort of a traditional pre-modern epic fantasy. It takes place in a modern era analog. Uh, so um, just think, think late 20th century. And the rest of the world covets this jade. And the story is really about... Um, the uh, Call family. They are the leaders of one of the two Greenbone clans that control Jade on this island. Awesome. I mean, this sounds like something Marvel could run with, right? Like this sounds like a great Marvel property in my opinion. <laughs> um, and when did you, when did you first publish the, the first book in this series? When did that first come out? That came out in 2017. Oh uh, yeah. Gosh. In the before wow. times. In the um, but that was not my debut. <laughs> my uh, my debut came out in 2015. I had a, a science fiction um, novel called Zero Boxer. That was my first book. And Jade City was actually my third book. Um, but it was my first uh, fantasy novel, adult fantasy novel. Awesome. And Zero Boxer won the Andre Norton Award in 2016, I, I'm reading here. Uh, and I love Andre Norton. Uh, she was why I got into uh, science fiction originally anyway. Uh, so what was, what was that like? It was winning the award, winning the award. I mean, definitely a huge um, sign that maybe I should keep doing this job, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I remember when uh, when I debuted with Zero Boxer. I think every every debut author is uh, probably can relate to the experience of like it's this thing that you've built up in your mind for so long, um, of like finally getting your book published and out in the world, and then it happens, and you realize with sort of a with um, some excitement but also a sense of terror that now you have to do it again, <laughs> and so I I, I think. Um, if uh, if you do get the validation, like I was fortunate enough to to have people like your book and to give it awards, um, that that goes a long way to giving you that extra boost to be like, um, yeah, maybe maybe this can be a, an actual career. Maybe you can do this not just once, but twice or three times, or now I guess eight times in my case. So wow. tell me about your your journey to getting that first book published out there. Some authors, you know, this, they just wrote and it got published. Others were writing for decades and mm -hmm. had lots of submissions. Uh, others was later in life that they got the bug that they wanted to just write something others wanted to write since they were children. What was what was Fonda Lee's story yeah. that brought her to get to publish Zero Boxer? A combination of, of those different um, paths that you described. I was that kid who wanted to write when I was very young. Um, when I was probably 10 or 11 years old, I, I'd write stories on, you know, my lined notebook on the extremely long bus ride that I had to and from school. And I uh, w wanted to be a writer, but never thought that it could be a real job. I mean, my, my parents certainly encouraged me to like actually go to college and get good grades and have a real job that I could support myself with. So that's what I did. <laughs> I ended up with a business degree and I had a business career for 10 odd years. And then at some point got the writing bug um, back in a big way and decided, no, I need to, I take this seriously. Cause it always been sort of a pipe dream in my mind of like, oh, like one day it'd be really cool to publish a book. Um, but I wasn't getting younger, so I, I figured I might as well try to actually write this book. Um, so I wrote a novel that was sort of a practice novel that uh, didn't go anywhere. And then I wrote another manuscript that I queried, um, but that didn't end up selling. And then I ended up um, writing Zero Boxer. So I guess you could say it was like a, probably... A, two odd years into really deciding that I wanted to write that um, I wrote zero boxer and that's the manuscript that got me my agent and then my book deal. And then I did it again. So, uh, <laughs> so yes, I definitely one of those ones who um, sort of took a career swerve and, uh, and didn't look back. You so Zero Boxer was your first publication. Uh, you mentioned you know we've talked about the the Greenbone Saga briefly, which is a trilogy. There's also a companion novella, so that's five publications. You mentioned that there were eight. So you've done you've done eight books. Can you tell us about the, uh, the uh, okay? Titles? So Zero Boxer, and then I had a another duology, a science fiction duology, EXO and Crossfire. Okay, so that was books two and three, or I guess no, that would have been two and four because Jade City <laughs> came in there. And like then I have my three books for Jade City. So what am I at? Six. And then uh, no, the novella, um, which is uh, the Jade Setter of John Loon. Mm -hmm. And then my um, short story collection uh, for the Greenbone Saga, which is not out yet. And then Untethered Sky, which is my novella that comes out in April. Uh, and which we're going to talk about in great detail here in just a second. Uh, 
you mentioned that uh, Jade City came out between the titles of your sci-fi duology. Yes. Is that, is that the order in which you wrote them or is that the order in which they were published? That's the order in which they were published. So I had actually written the, the fourth book, which was my third book written. Um, and Jade City uh, sold and was published relatively quickly. So I remember it, I got the the deal in, I think, March of 2017, and it was released by November of 2017. So it's just oh, wow. blisteringly fast by publication yeah. standards. Yeah, that's, that, that's just, yeah. what, seven months. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, no, eight months. Eight, eight, months. Yeah. eight months, yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it, it, it's just sort of the way publication timelines fell. Sometimes those, those things happen in uh, odd order. Now, so it sounds like you went from, you mentioned that you went from like a corporate background into writing full time. What is your cadence? What is your regimen for making this your career? Like, uh, how do you, how do you parse your day so that you can do this job? Uh, I uh, wish I knew the answer to that. I'm still working on it <laughs> on a daily basis. I, I always am hacking my own process and trying to figure out how to become more efficient as a writer or, or more productive. Um, but I don't have a really set schedule. I'm not one of those writers who like wakes up at a certain time and sits down at the desk and writes X number of words and then logs off. Um, I do, though, tend to create schedules based on certain goals that or deadlines that I know I'll need to hit. So um, I just work backwards from when I need to get things done. I will think, okay, I need to get this book turned in by this date, which means I need to have a first draft by this date, which means that that means I have to do roughly this many words per week. And sometimes that gets interrupted by travel. It gets interrupted by teaching or by doing book promotion um, or having a book launch in the month of April. I know I'm not going to get as much writing done in the month of April as I normally would. Um, and so then I will sort of figure out just schedule wise what that means in terms of how many chapters I need to do this given week, for example. Uh, but yeah, I, I do try to set aside good chunks of time uh, because writing is one of those things that I feel like I need a bit of time to like settle in and actually get in the groove. So um, I, I recently um, have been going away to like a co-working space and getting out of the house and actually sitting down and being like, okay, these four hours, I'm just going to dedicate to drafting and, you know, turn off the internet and all the other distracting things. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah that, that shows great discipline. So uh, where did you get the idea for the green bone uh make sure i get the right jade yeah. city uh the the green bone trilogy mm -hmm. green bone saga yeah saga excuse me i knew i was gonna mess that i up. got you bro i got you <laughs> uh so the there has there had to have been some seed of an idea some neat hook that you wanted to express and 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 write a, a book around what was that initial idea that hooked you to get your creative juices flowing in this yeah, this is an interesting question because I, it really started off as like vibes. That's all I really had. I didn't have a plot. I didn't have characters. I just had, I, I guess, an aesthetic, if you will, mm -hmm. um, of this particular world that I was going to work in. And it really was this mishmash of things that I was uh, that I liked 
um, and, you know, including like crime drama and mafia stories and kung fu flicks and, um, you know, East Asian culture and, uh, and, and like kind of an epic fantasy and like, how do I mix those all together? So I have like the seed of the Greenbone saga from a, um, a notebook, uh, you know, way, it would have been like 2013 or so that I came up with the original idea for Jade City. And it was just the title. It was just Jade City. That was the the seed of, of the whole trilogy. Um, and I'd written in the notebook, those two words, Jade City. And, um, and then I wrote underneath that something like uh, a a, gang, a wuxia gangster saga, um, a world, a modern world uh, where uh, with magic martial arts combat, but and and Jade goes to the victor or something like that. And it was like just sort of a couple of lines. And then underneath that, I'd written, I have no plot or characters. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> and that was pretty much the state of the story for a few more years um because uh i i i just had i had vibes but nothing else and then when i when i actually started um to work on it and to flesh it out uh then i had to figure out okay who are like what is what is this story actually and who are the characters and what's the plot uh but uh yeah that's the, the those two words jade city that's what started and as is pretty typical of, of any author working on a passion project, there is no small amount of you in this story as well, in, in, at mm -hmm. least in some of the inspirations. For example, I, I read somewhere that you yourself are a black belt martial artist. Is that correct? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, one of the inspirations for the Greenbone Saga is the fact that um, I would watch kung fu movies and then think to myself, wait, I've been studying martial arts for a long time and I cannot punch through concrete. I cannot <laughs> run up walls. I cannot do chi blasts. This is unfair. Like what, what is like the magic X factor that I have been robbed of here? So <laughs> that's, that's how the magic Jade came about and, you know, coming up with some grounded in world explanation for why those powers existed. Uh, how long have you been studying martial arts and what disciplines? See, I've been training since I was in my early teens. I around 12 or 13 and I started in uh, karate. So I have my, my original for, uh, discipline was Shotokan karate. I did that for many, many years. Um, I'm a second degree black belt in that. And then um, also tr uh, studied um, Shaolin style Kung Fu and uh, oh, wow. got a black belt in that. And in there I've like peppered in um, a few other things, including like Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a couple of years and uh, Tai Chi here and there. Awesome. And uh, going along with like the parts of you that are in the in, in Jade City, um, how long have you belonged to like, say, uh, a mafia or a crime family? <laughs> uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose that information. That sounds right. <laughs> that sounds right. That's the right answer. <laughs> Well, speaking about inspirations, um, what's the inspiration for uh, Untethered Sky, your your upcoming story? So in many ways, Untethered Sky was the exact opposite of the Greenbone Saga. So I wrote this huge trilogy and then I thought, you know, it would be great. Something short, something short <laughs> would be fantastic. And uh, I just so happened to have this story that I had started writing actually before the Greenbone Saga. 
And um, it was, uh, at the time, <clears throat> the beginning of a novel. It was a story about um, a young woman who trains giant birds of prey, rocks, to hunt man-eating manticores. And uh, when I, I went already. back to it, it's uh, <laughs> I looked at it and I went, I still really like this. And when I looked at it with, through the lens of thinking of it as a novella, um, things kind of fell into place and I saw kind of what the structure would be. And, and then I picked it back up and, and turned it into Untethered Sky. And it is what I've been describing as um, wildlife memoir with monsters. So it is Amazing. largely, um, it, it riffs off of some of the stories that I really enjoyed as a, as a child um, of like human animal companionship, like um, where the red fern grows and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my side of the mountain and, you know, those stories that make you cry because <laughs> the animal dies at the end. Those, those stories. So Wait, is that a spoiler? Cry? Is that a spoiler? <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah. There better not be a dying giant, bird in I, this. I, I can promise that no dogs die in this book at least oh, okay. that at All least right. I can promise there's an image <laughs> in my head of Sesame Street's big bird being cradled by a young no! woman who was his trainer <laughs> oh man so when is this uh so when is this being uh, this is going through tour yes uh, and so when will that be released and where can people find it it uh, comes out April 11th, and you can find it wherever books are sold. It'll be um, in in bookstores and online, and there will also be an audio book uh, that I believe comes out April 25th. Have you had a chance? Oh, this is something I wanted to talk to you about because I'm kind of in the mix in this realm myself right now. Um, so let's talk about adaptation for a second. Uh, you you you've written eight books. Uh, wait, uh, is uh, Untethered Sky your eighth publication or ninth? I don't know. Hang on a second here. <laughs> so, so eight. Yeah. It would be my. It'll be my eighth. It will be your eighth. Okay, cool. So you no, got... Yes, it will be my eighth. Thank you. Awesome. Perfect. So this will be your eighth book coming out. You've got seven publications uh, out there in the wild already, and you've been approached about adaptation before. Yes. So what adaptations have, have you been approached about? Uh, well, my first book, Zero Boxer, was optioned. It didn't really go anywhere because 98% of the time in Hollywood, that's what happens. It yeah. dies somewhere in development. They buy the um, potential and decide if they're going to use it. Exactly. And uh, the Greenbone Saga was optioned um, by Peacock. It was under development there. Um, and it unfortunately uh, got axed at Peacock. It has since been re-optioned, um, and I can't say much more than that, other than uh, things are moving along again, and hopefully I'll have something else to share. See, that's the best news. When when you can say something is happening, but I can't say what, right. that means it's actually happening right now, right? Uh, whereas- Maybe like not the right now. Right now, you know, they're probably asleep. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Fair to say. It's not um, even midnight yet, and this is Hollywood. Are you sure they're asleep? I mean, the party's just getting it's, started. It's, true. It's, that's it's true. movie making time somewhere. Right, okay? right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of awesome. Uh, if if you couldn't tell us that that, then that wouldn't be you know as good news. So this is great. I'm actually really excited right, right. At least this. there's something I can't tell you about, as yeah. opposed to nothing <laughs> that I can tell you about. That's right. That's right. Now it's time to chat about our sponsor, World Anvil. 
World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. With their software, you can create your world, manage your campaign, plan your novel, create a world wiki, wow your players, make novels more interactive, and make your worlds come to life. You can find them at worldanvil.com, and if you put in the discount code DCR40, you will receive a 40% discount today. Of the publications that you have out there, uh, which have been made into, say, audiobooks or radio dramas? I believe all of them have been made into audiobooks. Okay, can I ask you, hey, 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 can I ask you, like, a really burning, honest question? Sure. Okay. How many of those audiobooks do you listen to all the way through? All of them. I've listened to all of my audiobooks. Okay, next burning honest question. Uh, how many of those adaptations or those audiobooks have you listened to and thought they nailed it versus, oh my crap, who is this? <laughs> I'll be honest, I have been very lucky with my audiobooks. Uh, just about all of them. Actually, I will, I will say this, honestly, all of them, I've been very happy with the narrators. Oh, and good. I think it's been because I listen to audiobooks myself. And I love audiobooks. Um, and it's been important to me to have a say in who narrates each of my audiobooks. So um, with every single one, I have very early in the process said I would like to be consulted and involved in choosing the narrator. And uh, that has turned out to serve me very well. I've been very happy with my audiobooks and my narrators. Do you find that you tend to lean toward uh, more male voices, more female voices, or is it really just dependent on the story? It depends on the story. Uh, the Greenbone Saga was narrated by um, Andrew Cascino, and, and he he did a fantastic job. But there's large, there's a large cast of characters. Um, you know, probably the majority of them are males, and his his voice fit that story very well. Um, Untethered Sky is uh, narrated by Nikki Masood. Um, and, uh, I haven't, I have not listened to it yet cause it's probably still in production. Uh, but, uh, I'm very excited. Her voice, again, her fits that, um, that story. And, uh, you know, as an Iranian American also the, and the, and onto this guy drawing a lot of like Persian mythology inspiration that mm -hmm. also made a ton of sense and was important. So, uh, yeah, no, I've been, I've been very fortunate. Do during the process when they're making the audiobook, do they, come back to you with like the the audiobook equivalent of dailies where they're like hey listen to this sample what do you think of this or do they ever no. come back to you and be like what's the pronunciation or what's the voice type or what's the character do they do they do that they do come they do generally uh, consult you in the beginning and it is normally a here is a long list of words in your book <laughs> how do you pronounce that <laughs> especially when you're a fantasy author and yes. there may be were terms that you have made up or, you know, that are, that are in world, um, uh, words. And so then you get a chance to sort of, uh, give some direction of pronunciation. Um, sometimes I will have a call with, uh, the, uh, narrator to talk about like the characters and how I imagined, um, you know, them sounding, uh, but oftentimes after, and usually after that, it's nothing, you just don't hear anything. And then it's like, Ta-da, here's the audiobook. And when you have a single narrator uh, who is going through your entire book and they're hitting all these various characters, do you do you prefer it when they just read it 
narratively or do you prefer that they actually like inject accent and voice and character like you know pitch and modulation what do you prefer in your narrators i i think that like the narrator brings an element of dramatization to the story so um to the extent that they can uh they they can act they they're skilled voice actors part of the appeal of the audiobook is hearing that dramatization and and and, and the like and, and it's as close for most authors to getting a uh you know a, a movie but like it's a movie of you know in your ears i suppose it's as mm -hmm. close to getting an actor to portray your characters um as, as you can get and uh, I was really lucky because Andrew Cascino, who did the Greenbone Saga, is a voice actor. Yeah. And he has done umpteen, I mean, uncountable number of cartoons um, and uh, and features. And um, and so he had he he definitely brought, uh, you know, a, an art to, to his, his narration that I think served the story really well. Speaking of adaptations, in some of our recent episodes, we've been talking about how uh, an original material like uh, the written word, when it gets adapted to a visual medium uh, like television or movies, that there are some significant story points that must change because what works well on the page doesn't necessarily work visually. And also sometimes there are things that just could really be improved visually that you couldn't necessarily do uh, on the page. So right. using Greenbone Saga as a reference, if you looked at that, what are some things that you wrote that you think would have to be changed for a visual medium? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, you know, I am a very visual writer and I think that, so much of my inspiration for my novels is drawn oftentimes from other media and very often from film that uh, I, my natural inclination is to write prose that uh, comes off fairly cinematically. So I, I actually think, you know, not to, um, you know, toot my own horn to Hollywood at this point. Although if any, any Hollywood producers are listening, you know, feel free to, 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 uh, to take this <laughs> she's, into account. She's obviously open to adaptations of her works, people. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I honestly do think that like I write in a way where the movie is unrolling in my brain. Um, and so oftentimes when I'm writing, I, I can kind of see how it would play out um, in a visual medium. That said, uh, there are things that I can do as an author that I think are harder to pull off in film. And one of those, for example, is um, the last book in the Greenbone Saga spans something like 30 years. And it's an intergenerational saga. So there's many, um, there's a lot of uh, of moving through time and there's there's chunks of of time skips and you're moving with this these characters um, over over decades. And I, not that you can't do that in film, you absolutely can. But um, oftentimes I think uh, 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 the film is going to be constrained by running time and by, uh, you know, how much of the story you can, uh, you know, you want to want to tell. So I, I think like, it, you know, the Green Mode Saga would work better as a television series and as a film just because of like the nature of the scope of the story. 
Um, and there's a lot of interiority that happens and things that happen off the page that I can catch back up through exposition um, on and through like interior um, character thoughts in text that are going to be harder to do in film. Like you'd have to do them a different way. Like you'd have yeah. to show the passage yeah. of time through like contextual clues and background or I don't know you know, even something as simple as, you know, 10 years past or whatever, but it's not, uh, the same tools don't apply. So there's, you can pretty much do most things, but you're going to be using different tactics in order to accomplish them. You used a word there that I really like. You said it's cinematic. Your mm -hmm. writing is cinematic. Uh, and that's the way I describe, um, certain authors as well uh, because you read it and immediately the image comes to your mind you know how this should appear on the screen uh, so that's that's really exciting that uh, that your books are are cinematic in that way uh, nothing wrong with other words that are a little more uh, that are happening a little more internally more mental a lot of internal monologues i mean i'm thinking frank Her frank herbert dune i'm looking at you uh, <laughs> incredibly difficult to adapt uh because half the book is someone talking to themselves uh, <laughs> um you know plans within plans and dialogues or monologues within monologues within monologues right uh, that's a frank herbert joke for those of you in the know schemes within schemes <laughs> yes um yeah um you know there was something else that that happened the other day i got a, a call from this unknown number and the person on the other end coughed, sneezed, and hung up. I'm really getting tired of these cold calls. Matthew. <sighs> Matthew. Tis the season. This is what happens 30 minutes into every show. Oh, my goodness. You didn't <laughs> because, warn me. This well, is, no, was, no. The no, natural is reaction is what notes. matters. I, I saw my, uh, my sister today. I came up on her, and, and she was crying. And I said... Are you having a crisis? Oh my gosh, Matthew! <laughs> that punchline snuck up on me. Oh <laughs> my goodness! You've even told me you've told me that joke before, but it's been a few weeks, and I try <laughs> to block out bad memories, and so like that that was like hearing it for the first time all over again. Man, I have to tell these to my husband because he often ambushes <laughs> me with terrible jokes, like on on the same level. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! I, and so, and he, I think he, so he, he jokes that I have no sense of humor because he ambushes me with these jokes. I just kind of give him this like blank glare, like that I'm <laughs> giving you right now that your listeners can't see. But, um, <laughs> but he's like, you have no sense of humor, and I'm like, well, <laughs> like, think of think of like what you're trying to elicit my humor with right now. Like, <laughs> It's not that she has no sense of humor. It's that it's yeah. highly selective. Exactly. Exactly. It's oh. like the bar is high. I, I love telling dad jokes. Sometimes he even laughs. Oh. oh my gosh, Matthew. Three for three. I don't know. I don't know. I'm done. I don't, I don't know what you've achieved oh. all three of those times, but it was all three of those times. You did it. 
Congratulations, you did the thing. <laughs> oh my god. Actually, okay, in all okay, look, look, look. Disclaimer for our dungeon crawlers, because what happens is Matthew tells these jokes, then I usually tell some joke at his expense, yada yada. Here's the truth. I love my brother to pieces. He's one of my all-time best friends, and I expect this behavior from him, and I look forward to it. Were it not for this, he would not be my brother. And if anyone knows me personally, they know that I am dead, deathly terrified of the pod person problem, where, like, you can supplant a human with a facsimile. Uh, mm-hmm. That terrifies me. So the way that I would know that Matthew is still my actual brother and not a pod person is this kind of thing right here. As long as he never crosses over out of dad humor into actual (laughs) hilarity, we are good. Yeah. If you ever meet someone who looks just like me, but tells a joke that's actually funny. (laughs) That's when you get worried, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Yes. All right. (laughs) All right. So, um, I, uh, oh man, now with all that moment behind us now, like every, every thought that I had is out of my brain. Um, well, do you have another question or should we move on to the lightning round? Well, no, I do have another question, but the lightning round is fast approaching. Uh, so we have, um, we have zero boxer, XO crossfire, the, the, uh, green bone saga. And you mentioned earlier and, and a few other titles on top of that, you mentioned earlier that they can buy these wherever books are sold. Do you, so I imagine like Amazon and Kindle and, and all, you know, the various other locations, you know, the, the few Barnes and Noble brick and mortar stores that still exist, et cetera. Um, do you have like your own website? Do you, do you have your own vendor that you go through? Or is there any other alternative for people who may not, may not use Amazon or Kindle? I, I mean, my, I do have a website, fondly.com, um, but I, I don't sell through it um, because I'm traditionally published. So pretty much anything that uh, you you want to get off of me, you can get through book retailers, but absolutely support your independent bookstores. Um, if you don't want to go to, uh, you know, to, to the Amazon overlords, definitely go support your independent bookstores. You can always order my books through them. Um, and uh, if as an alternative to Audible, there's also Libro. Oh, nice. .fm for a great audiobook selection as well. Excellent. And outside of being an author and an accomplished uh, corporate, I believe it was, you were a marketing strategist before, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I was in corporate strategy. Corporate strategy, corporate strategy. So, and and you're a second degree black belt in Shotokan karate, and you've studied a, a few other martial arts on top of that, and you're a wife, and you have like all this life outside of being an author. Out of curiosity, what flavor of nerd are you? Uh, are you... Are you like a movie nerd? Are you a music nerd? Do you mm. like tabletop games? Where where does your nerd most shine? Yeah, yeah. I would say um, I definitely like just primary nerdness would probably be um, film and like just, yeah, probably like movies, anime, that sort of flavor. And then I'm also a board game nerd. Oh, are you playing anything currently that you just love? Okay, so I, my husband and I have been um, searching out like two player games, and like I don't get as much time to play as like I would like some of these books that I have to write. Yeah, know, I've heard you do that sometimes. Other things, um, but uh, we we really enjoy um, Undaunted, so <gasps> we've been we've been playing that two player. I'm also I enjoy it because I I win a lot. <laughs> <laughs> which actually brings me to my follow-up question, which is when you're playing tabletop games, do you prefer competitive games or do you prefer cooperative games? 
Oh, competitive for sure. <laughs> Men don't she's, cooperate. She's like so cutthroat. I mean, it's a win. I mean, I had a I had a neighbor one time. I was trying to show him my all time favorite board game, Zombicide. It's it's a cooperative game in the zombie apocalypse. It's very mm -hmm. very cool. Uh, and I wanted to bring my neighbor in on it. And then as I started to explain it just briefly, give him the elevator pitch, he goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. It's cooperative, but is there any way for like me to win?" And I, I said, well, we all win or lose together. He goes, nah, not interested. I don't like playing games unless I can absolutely demolish the other people at the table in some way. And I was like, okay, duly noted. And you know, that's, that's fine. Everyone's got their own taste, you know? So I, I, I do enjoy that, the good cooperative game once in a while. Oh, but, sure. But you also like but, you, you hunger for the victory. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Well, in our time, which is running short, um, we are ready to move on to the lightning round. Are you ready okay. for the lightning round, Fondalee? I am. Hit me with okay. the lightning. The lightning round is very, very simple. I'm just going to ask you some questions, and I just want the first answer that comes off the top of your head. You don't have to prepare for anything. You don't have to look for any, like, super elegant or deep answers. Just the first thing that comes to mind. Sound good? Okay. All right. And here we go. What is your favorite color? Blue. What is your favorite food? Oh, that's that's impossible. Oh no! Uh, oh, no. First thing, first thing. Uh, ramen. That's a good answer. Uh, are you a pet person? I am. Dogs, cats, birds, fish. What? Dogs. That's the right answer, by the way. Uh, and then finally, what is your stance on the 1983 sci-fi fantasy movie Crawl? I don't have one, but I feel like I should. Ooh. You know what? I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. I think more people should have a stance on Kroll, be it negative or positive. doesn't really matter. I So what you're saying to me is that it doesn't ring a bell or you haven't seen it or something to that effect. Right. Okay. 1983 Kroll. K-R-U-L-L. Okay. Can, it's available on Amazon Prime, I believe, uh, although I don't think it's for free. But if you have HBO Max, I believe it's streaming there at this time. Duly noted. <laughs> yeah, I, especially since I, I, I do, I, I did say my flavor of nerddom was movies, and I really yes. do like finding the obscure sci-fi flick that I haven't yes. found yet. So this seems like it would be up my alley. So my personal request here, not that you owe me anything in this life, but it would be that if you found time to watch 1983's sci-fi fantasy film, Kroll, that you would then like form your own opinion on it, then contact us about it, because I would love to hear a follow-up of what you thought of it, good, bad, otherwise, does not matter. I just want to know what you, an accomplished author, thinks about the movie Kroll. Okay. Fantastic. Kay how do we, how do you spell it again? K R U L L. All right. You'll know it when you see it. It's fantastic. All right. So, uh, with that said, folks, we are so very grateful to have had Fonda Lee here on the show. Thank you so very much for being here. One more time, Untethered Sky. It comes out in April. Do you know an exact date when it drops? April 11th. April 11th, wherever books are sold. And of course, please check out the Green Bone Saga, uh, Zero Boxer, Exo, and uh, what, what was the what was the one with Cross in the title? Cross, Crossfire. Crossfire. Excellent. Awesome. Folks, thank you so very much for being here. Fonda Lee, once again, thank you. And with that, we're out of here. And my little nerdlings, remember to always let your geek flag fly. So say we all. 
And always remember to be epic. And don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you. Always. 